We were climbing up the walls and, and it was an old abandoned rock quarry. So some of the walls were caved in and we would climb up them. And some of them, it's a 90 degree, like you're, yeah. you're 90 degrees. Some of it slants. But anyways, we, we were climbing. And this is the first thing that came to mind when you said that. I seen a rock probably two, 300 pounds almost crush my buddy just straight on the top of his head. He moved. And, and, uh, but anyways, it bit when I was a kid, bro, we were just fucking around, just climbing on rock walls. And yeah. our parents wasn't there. We, you know, we probably weren't supposed to be there. But, dude, that's, that's what boys do, man. They play like yeah. that and they do dangerous stuff sometimes. And that, that was really close. I, I almost saw my buddy get crushed by a rock. All right, guys. Well, we got another episode of Adversity Kings special guest. And UFC, I believe we're sitting at, I think, number 11 right now out of the featherweight category, right? Uh, yeah. They do those rankings so often, you know, but yeah. uh, shoot, man. Now, who knows? Who knows? So we got Bryce Mitchell on the podcast, UFC. Welcome, Bryce Mitchell. How you doing today, bro? Dude, I'm doing so great, man. And, uh, Thank you for having me on. It's an honor. Thank you for your patience. I got to tell the audience kind of what happened the last 10 minutes here. We had some technical difficulties. My phone kept going down and we switched over to Zoom. And the reason I want to bring this up and I, I want to involve it in this conversation is because some of these things that they seem like destruction, the good Lord is going to use for something good. Okay. Yes. And, and, and yeah, we, we had about 10 minutes of technical difficulties or whatever, but I think the podcast is going to end up better. I feel great. Amen. I had, I went and filled up some ice water. So I got my ice water now, dude. I'm, I'm good to go. go. We're, we're, we're great. Let's go. Love it. Yeah. So Bryce, um, yeah, I was telling you, I, I grew up in Arkansas, you know, and, and then you grew up now where you, did you grow up in Cersei or did you grow up in Little Rock? So I grew up in Cabot, and I started going to Searcy because my MMA gym okay. uh, moved to Searcy. I, I started doing MMA in Cabot when I was 16. Okay. Now, when I started training in Cabot, uh, that was like – that was the best training that I'd ever had uh, is at a gym called Barada. The guy that, that runs it, his name was Willie. Uh, Willie was like an old guy with, you know, gray hair, little bald spot. And I went in there the first day. I was like 16 years old, and he just completely messed me up, you know, choked me out. <laughs> just yeah. tapped me time after time, and it was just like he was doing magic, you know. Yeah. And so he showed me all those techniques. Uh, and when he moved that Jim Barada from Cabot to Searcy, I went with him. And that's uh, and also was going into college that time, so I went to Harding University. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, but I went to Harding and trained at Barada in Searcy, and then I got a little bit of money from fighting and then bought me a place up here in Searcy. And the land is cheap, you know what I mean? The land is cheap, cost of living is low, and the great thing about Searcy is a very low uh, crime rate, very safe community. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably because everybody in Arkansas got a gun. I think any, <laughs> any place where, where the right people are armed, the wrong people – might think twice about making those wrong decisions. So I, uh, I agree. I agree with the low crime rate. Now, in addition to that, man, I like to take it all the way back to like, what was growing up for you? Like, even like, you know, mom, dad, I know in your story, like me grew up, sounds like with a single mother for most of your life. And that, that was the same case. 
you know, my dad was, I believe he was gone like eight, around eight, nine years old. Um, so what, what's the story with, with your childhood, bro? Uh, yeah, my, my dad and man, he split, he, he's gone. So, um, you know, but my mom, dude, she did so much. She always believed in me. I remember uh, the main thing that if I had to sum up one thing that she always told me, she always said, hey, God has a purpose for you. And uh, I, I believe it now, you know, but when I was a kid, I never even believed that or knew what she meant. But yeah, man, I, I had all the parenting I needed with just one mom. You know what I mean? Now, were you guys like on a farm in the city, what was, where you, like, have you always had the country in you? I've definitely always had the country in me because, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, but there was a stretch of, of woods behind me and I was just always playing in the woods, always just was compelled to the woods. Um, there's also, there was a rock quarry and I, you know, it was a, it used to be a rock quarry. It was it filled up with water and it was abandoned. And we'd go over there and fish and we'd hang out. And as kids, that's what my favorite thing to do was, you know, is go out, hang out in the woods, build forts, uh, go to the rock quarry. We'd go fishing. We we catch the mussels at the bottom of the. There's a shallow end and a deep end, but the quarry it drops off. When it drops off, it's a straight shelf all the way down. You know, a hundred foot. But we'd we'd stand on that shelf where it drops off. Um, and it's real shallow till it drops off, but we, we catch the mussels in that shallow end and then fish in the deep end. And just for fun, we'd hang on to a big rock and go off the, the drop off and see how, see how long we could hang on to a rock for. And we'd make, yeah, we'd make like a centipede, like a, my buddy would hold on to my waist and then another buddy would hold on to his waist. So we'd have a chain of like three or four people. We'd get a big rock on the end of the edge. I'd hold it and jump off the edge and we'd see how, and dude, when you get, it just gets so dark and cold. Eventually you just say, fuck this and let go, you know, but yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff we did. We played around, man. We used to on July 4th, dude, it was a guaranteed Roman candle battle, a shoot off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, paintball guns, BB guns, uh, bow and arrows, you know, now I never shot at anybody with a bow and arrow. That's I, ne I wouldn't do that. That was too uh, far. Yeah. I got gun. some BB gun wars in Arkansas. You know what I mean? You got the Red Rider, and there ain't nothing to do. You're running around a farm, and you start shooting at the cousins. Yes, and so, okay, so I never grew up on a farm, but uh, my my great-grandma and my Mimi, that's all they did. And I'm telling you, it was like, so that one generation uh, before me, which is my mom, you know, she, yeah. she got out of that farm. Um, or my grandma moved out of the farm later in life my, when my grandma got older she moved off yeah. the farm but when my grandma was raised she did nothing and i mean absolutely nothing but farm and i mean i mean they were dirt poor they they played with sticks you know and uh they drank out of the creeks and the wells and they didn't yeah. have showers. they didn't have the electricity type stuff like that they did not have toys now my mom when she was growing up you know she was poor but she wasn't on the farm she was in the in the city yeah. And um, just hearing how my grandma always talked about growing up, about on the farm, how even though she was poor, she never went hungry because they, yeah. they grew 
they would they would have food all the food you can eat you just don't have toys or anything like that and so she talked about it and just she said those were the best days of her life and yeah. that that helped inspire me um just want to you know i just in the city man i was living in apartments and stuff and bouncing around places it just didn't feel good i wanted to move out and and also i was worried about you know the mark of the beast coming people not being yeah. able to have their own food so i figured i better move out and i better start getting some of these skills that have been lost in this last generation i better start doing what my mimi did when she's a kid yeah that's fire and uh, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I've started to see in the news now they're starting to uh, implement, re-implement more of the cold or what other people call COVID. Yeah. And what yeah. we all know, what, what everybody with common sense in a brain knows is just a cold and, and the flu. Uh, and they're starting to re-implement the mask and shutting down schools. And that just blows my mind. I know that doesn't touch Arkansas. There's no way that touches Arkansas. I can't imagine that people are going to comply. Even the ones that did prior to, they got to realize like, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to be complying with that. Right. Right. You know, um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I just had a, um, uh, one of my coaches, I don't want to give, you know, not his name or nothing, but one of my coaches, really close friends, he just got the, he, he says he's got the Rona. So whatever is going on, uh, there very potentially could be something going on and it could be manufactured by people like some, yes. some created in a lab yeah. designed, designed to hurt people, you know, yeah. at the biological weapon that got out. I don't know what we're up against, but yeah, I don't believe the lockdowns are the, the answer. That's just taking people's freedom. If pe people yeah. should have the choice to go wherever the fuck they want to go, you know, yeah. you believe it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The lockdowns, they ain't coming back. The people won't tolerate it. But as as far as what's going on, and I do know one person very close. He's sick. I don't know what he has. And I hope to God that, that it is just normal flu and they're calling it this and that. But, man, some yeah. of this – he also got it the first time. And uh, he said the first time, he said the symptoms were just unbearable, dude. He said it's the worst headache he'd ever had. He said, and he told me he ain't a scientist. He don't do any research on this shit. He said that that was man-made because he said, I've never been in pain like that. He yeah. said, they're designing this virus to kill people. And uh, so some people are reacting and getting sick in ways they've never got sick before. And honestly, dude, I don't know what the fuck's going on other than it's evil. And they're they're using it. To control, and I believe it was made by humans in a lab. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that because I saw a news article that said a week prior to Maui catching on fire, a couple hundred million dollars was sent additionally over to Ukraine. And there were some articles, I, I think there was either information linked to that article that said there could be biological manufacturing stations in Ukraine that we are obviously, or hypothetically, I should say, that we could potentially be shuffling money, laundering money to Ukraine to biologically design these weapons, obviously because it's not in our nation. So we're sending money over, covering it with, well, they need this. And I know there's people for the individuals that are watching this. You know, I've met people that have lost individuals in Ukraine. So I'm not saying that's a, a fake war, but I think there's propaganda and political, you know, powers and evil people that, and I, I wouldn't say that the sheep aren't educated, but I, I just think 
it's more of a lack of awareness because it's like how can how can people be educated if they're the material isn't presented so yeah. i don't think it's always a lack of common sense it's it's the same deal with uh the, the covid corona whatever it's like yeah. well it's like I, I don't know if if it's like the illegitimacy to it obviously people are getting sick but i completely agree with you in regard to these evil powers uh at work and it, it really is and i follow your stuff and you know i'm i'm a big that's the one thing you know my mom kind of instilled it to me too but it was more forceful because i was a fighter as a kid like with my dad not being there, my mom, the only one in the house, it was always, I got kicked out of every school, every school. But one thing her, she did and, and her dad, uh, my pap, you know, kind of put on us was, you guys can fight, you can be bad, you're going to go to church. And, uh, you know, I think that's been my my saving grace. And just whether you want to believe it or not, I think you got to believe it. I don't, there's not like a believe it. Or, it's like, there's, there's, there's power in the word. If, even if you're not a believer, you can you can look at it for wisdom. You can look at it for facts, history, uh, prediction of of like the future of what's to come and, and things like that. So I think it's it's also good to hear and see when you fight. You like out of every sponsor, anybody you get, it's it's cool because I don't know what regulations you have, but you go out there and it's like, hey, man, I serve, you know, one true God. I'm serving Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think you should have you should you know give your life. It's like it's cool to see that because. Today, in today's day and age, people are scared to, like, have values. But you know who isn't? The immigrants. I'll see, you'll see all of these, you know, and shout out to them because, you know, they're hard to roll with. You know, when I roll with the uh, Muslim guys at, at jiu-jitsu. But yes, there's sir. one thing they don't play around with is their faith. You know what I mean? That You know, I seen something the other day, these TikToks about, and horrible, about these churches participating in, in just, just like these pride parades, just completely conflicts with. God's God's word. And yeah, the church like caught on fire. It, it got smashed down. But somebody somebody commented and said, "Try to do that at a mosque." You know what I mean? Like at a at a Muslim at a holy Muslim place. They probably would have somebody's head, is what the what the response said. And I was like, "That's how serious I'm trying to take my relationship with Jesus and my like the seriousness of my my health, my wealth." And I think that's. It's a long story short of like, I see you exemplify that. And it makes me look up to you as a, as a man, you know what I mean? Like, there's like kudos to you for, for not bending to, you know, the fame. Cause I feel like every ass, like every faucet of like fame, people just will sell their souls. Well, man, any bit of good that you see me in, in me through me is actually that Holy spirit, uh, you know, um so thank you very much brother and you know i'm always praying especially before i come on a podcast that um that basically i keep my cool i don't say anything um that would shame me shame god i want to bring honor and then you know that that i always speak the truth and whether that's before a podcast or a fight i'm always praying that god is is shining through me and that my true self is is hidden and only god knows the true me and i'm forgiven for my sins and you know um and man what what you know this thing with these people that that don't believe in god and i used to be one of them brother i was like the biggest atheist and that's um how god is using me that's that's the thing is is I, I I know what they're feeling. They're lost. They don't know. They And you said this earlier, and I want to go back to it. You said they're not stupid. 
and you were talking about the Corona people that, you know, that yeah. are scared, scared, wearing their masks, taking their vaccines. That's who you're talking about. Those people that maybe they're not stupid. Maybe they could read books better than me. They're more book smart than me, but they're ignorant. You know, yes. they're not, yes. they're, there's something going in their head where they blocked out the yes. truth and the light. And um, the same with an atheist is like, they're just, they're not stupid. You know, they're, they're, they're lost. They're ignorant. They don't want to know the truth because if you wanted to know the truth, you would dig in that Bible, like your life depended on it. If you wanted to know the truth, you would get in that Bible and you would see that 1900 years ago, John said, an army of 200 millions coming from the east when the Euphrates River dries. You would look and say, hey, the Euphrates River is dry today. You know, this Bible is prophesizing what we're living through today. And it did that 2,000 years ago. That is the living word of God. They've conditioned people to make a mockery of the Bible. The main way that I believe that they're doing this, my brother, is um, through NASA and our education, like government uh, education. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, they're making people think that uh, we live on a spinning ball and we came from the Big Bang and we came from monkeys. And I'm yeah. here to preach the gospel of Genesis. I'm here to tell you that when, when, and, and I'm confident, let me tell you this, when the news breaks that the earth is flat and it is fixed in a firmament, a firmament above, when that news breaks and people understand it to the degree that I understand it because I've done my research, when that news is accepted as a scientific fact, you're going to have so many people repent. You're going to have so many people turn uh, to Christ and say, wow, this earth was made to inhabit us. The sun and the moon circle us. We don't circle the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon circle us. There's a, a dome, a firmament above us. Just like Genesis said, uh, we don't come from monkeys. We were made in the image of God, not in the image of monkeys. And, um, you know, th that stuff is coming. I believe that that time is coming. And uh, but who knows how long it's going to take. The, the truth has been suppressed so long in this evil, man. It's there's all this evil is smart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, you know, listeners out there, you know, don't don't, you know, listen to your conscience, listen to your gut, because I feel like your gut don't lie. I think the gut's the smartest thing you got in there next to your brain. And I bet your gut's telling you right now, like, man, what are what are these two talking about? What's this gentleman talking about? One's got a crazy country accent. The other one got a suit on and a, and a hat on. It's like, listen, don't worry about appearances and things like that. At the end of the day all the money, all the physical, none of that. It don't matter. You know what I mean? There's, there's going to come a time where you take your last breath. And I think there's no better. We spent the first 30 minutes pretty much talking about God here. You know what I mean? I got that. That wasn't even where I was headed with this. Yeah. I got a UFC fighter on here. I'm from little rock. My ego wants to talk about me and growing up in little rock and see where Bryce, what he liked in little rock. And then obviously highlight his UFC career, his fighting career and things like that. But Clearly, I feel like God had other other intentions. So hopefully this sinks in. And, you know, we're not preachers. I'm definitely not a preacher because you're going to catch me swearing, smoking cigars. And I'm not uh, I'm not the best man out there. But, you know, I ain't, I ain't afraid to uh, represent my, my beliefs. But, but everything we just said, I believe is true. So, and yeah, a thousand percent. You know, so I'm I'm confident in that. And so if people don't want to hear it. Like I said, that's just them wanting to block out that Holy Spirit. If they don't believe that the Euphrates River is dry, they can Google it. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't believe an army of 200 million awaits from the east, they can Google it. You know, uh, when John wrote that, the Euphrates was a raging river and there wasn't 200 million people on the whole planet, let Amen. alone an army of 200 million. 
Yeah. The Bible prophesied so many things. This little dog went nuts, bro. What the the Frenchie? Hey, whoa, whoa, calm down. Oh yes, yeah, he's a guard dog right there. He's actually yeah. the best guard dog. And here's the thing: is people make fun of that Frenchie for being a guard dog. When I tell people he's the best guard he, dog, they're nuts. They're, they're I got nuts. my mom one. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like, look, all that dog's got to do is wake me up. These are the dogs I got my mom. So she's got a blue English, and then that black one's a Frenchie. But you'd think he's bigger. You'd think he'd be the one that would be like the protector. It's this one that rules the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. Same, Just same with him. Yeah, same with him, bro. They're, they're the best guard dogs because they'll wake you up. You know what yeah. I mean? They have no problem if if your dog is big and scary, but don't wake you up when like if I if you just wake me up and give me five seconds to get to my guns, I'll take I, I'll go down guns a blazing with anybody. I got just as good a shot as anybody who wants to come in my front door. We'll we'll shoot it out. And Let's but go. if I'm not if I'm not awake, can you get me while I'm sleeping? Well, yeah. I don't have a chance. So that dog, dude, that's my that's my security right there, dude. He even he hears something, smells something. Dude, I've seen him bark at his own fart, dude. He wake, he'll fart too loud, and he'll wake up yeah. like somebody yeah. broke in. It's like, dude, he'd just start barking out of nowhere. I bet he's not a good bird dog, though, or a good uh, squirrel dog. I don't know if you've gone out squirrel hunting or anything like that or, or coon hunting where the, they point out the birds. I bet he's not good to, to bring out and do that with. But let's talk about your hunting at all. Like, when did you get into hunting? How'd you? I remember not being able to really hunt. Well, because my mom never wanted to go out and hunt. And there was never a, a man to kind of take me out there and hunt. So I never got above small game. Yeah, brother. And, and um, you know, I didn't start till I was 18. I did it when I was a kid. Uh, my neighbor took me because, like you said, you know, I didn't have – my dad didn't take me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so one of my neighbors offered to. And when I was a kid, I, I went out there and I just, um, you know – it's, I, I didn't see any deer the first time I went and I just, you know, I played sports and stuff and then didn't need have that need to go hunting. When I got older, when I got about 18 years old, I felt this natural desire to go into the woods and procure meat to make sure that I could do it. And, it, and I took it as like almost a passage into manhood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was something within me at one point just said, Bryce, you need to know how to hunt. And I, and I, I didn't teach myself everything, but I taught, I taught myself a lot and learned from all the people that when I reached out and asked to hunt, they were more than happy to, to, you know, take me. And I've now, you know, hunting's just a part of my life now. And I, uh, it's, it's essential. So field dressing, butchering up your meat, you can do it all. You know what I mean? Well, well that's the most important part when you're surviving. I mean, well, I, I, I won't say that because if you get in the battle, you know, the, the, the killing is important, you know, and, and, and it's, it's not a coincidence, brother. It is not at all a coincidence that the best sniper in American history was a squirrel hunter from Arkansas. If you think yeah. that, that that is a coincidence, you are nuts that hunting that small game, hunting that squirrel in the thicket in Arkansas with the 22 yeah. Brother, you're talking about you're training yourself to kill and it doesn't matter what it is it could be a squirrel you can replace that squirrel with Viet Cong it don't matter what you're training yeah. yourself to kill that's what hunting is and it is an art Carlos Hathcock is the greatest American sniper of all time they put him over in Vietnam and brother he, he it's incredible that Carlos yeah. Hathcock story but uh, I know that's something you'll appreciate you know Arkansas boy like me absolutely 
I, I, I thought you up. were talking about American Sniper. I thought was that Chris guy's Kyle. name Chris Kyle? Was he is he Arkansas too or no? Man, I'm gonna look that up real quick. You might be from Texas. Am I just making that up out of my messed up memory? Hey, it's we Chris know he's Kyle. country. Yeah, you know what? He is Texas. Odessa, okay, Odessa, that's Texas. Okay, I thought Chris Kyle was from Texas. Now, the, what is regard? Who is regarded as the most prolific American military sniper of all time by most individuals that I've talked to, including myself, because I'm biased, just like I would be too. I am now too. It's it's Carlos Hathcock, and what he did for sniping was revolutionary. I mean, rev- he changed the game with sniping. You know, fifty cows weren't a sniper till Carlos Hathcock came along. I'm seeing 50, it right now. Fifty yep, cows in Little now. Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, and and he he grew up in Wynn. Uh, May twentieth, nineteen forty-two, in Little Rock. Uh huh. And and so he. He was who made the 50 cal a sniper. It used to be mounted on the back of vehicle. He put a scope on it and got the first confirmed kill at over a thousand yards with a. I mean, it was a long when he made that shot in the Viet Cong, uh, over a thousand yards or somewhat like that with the 50 cal. He had the longest kill shot in the history of the world, recorded history for a long, long time. Um, now, now they they use guns like that more frequently. So it's, you know, possible. but anyways, this guy was on the cunning edge of sniping brother. We're talking like, I mean, just legendary, the Carlos Hathcock stories, the things that he did and the man that he was. And yeah, that's a, that's an Arkansas guy, you know, yeah. Hey, let's not forget about Douglas MacArthur. Let's yeah. not forget about Douglas MacArthur went over there and whooped ass in World War II, took heavy casualties, fought for every square inch of soil. You yep. know, after, after Pearl Harbor, we were decimated. Um, it was a war on two fronts. Americans were scared. This guy from Arkansas comes up and says, hey, I'll take this side. You take that side, Patton. We divided our troops and whooped ass on both fronts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, Douglas MacArthur led the <coughs> Arkansas boy, uh, led the – led the Pacific troops. So, That's man, there, something about Arkansas, man. We a lot got of, yeah, a lot of little secret gems in Arkansas. I'm getting a, a history refresher as well. Um, what is – so you've had an impressive rise in the UFC. What have been the most challenging and rewarding moments for you so far? Shoot. Well, the, the most rewarding moment for me, I got to say, is, you know, coming to Christ. I wasn't – like I said, I was an atheist. Back in the day, I was brainwashed. I believed that we came from monkeys and all the Big Bang and all that crap. And uh, so being in the UFC, watching how God worked in my life and do certain things, it just became undeniable to me that there was a God. Um, but, yes, yeah, so giving my life to Christ is is definitely the, the highlight of my career. Um in the cage, I think that my best performance was uh, Matt Sells, um, or actually maybe Charles Rosa. Yeah, uh, you know, didn't Both get fired. hurt fights, D- didn't yep. get hurt, didn't take damage, and and did good. But um, oh, um, well, nah, I, th- those are my favorite ones. It's hard to pick between those two, but uh, dude, I th- I think my best performance yet to come. Absolutely, yet to come. You fight? Is it? Is it Dan Iger? Ige. Dan Ige? Yep. And he's a vet, so he's got 
it looks like 17 just UFC fights. I don't know if he fought for any other promotions, plus his amateur fights. Um, so that's going to be a fire fight two days before my birthday. Hey, I got you a present, brother. Hey, I'm ready, dude. It said uh, UFC Apex. Is that in Vegas? Yes, sir. That's in Vegas. I know I'm going down in Vegas in October. I might see how the business is doing. I might have to make just a trip out. We're in Arkansas peace and come out Let's there and go, on, bro. Let's go, man. I, I actually prefer the uh, Apex. Some people don't like it. I like the small arena. You can hear your yeah. coach in there. Yeah, I like being able to hear the coaches. Now, since it's a smaller uh, condensed I've, – I've, I haven't been to a UFC fight. Since it's smaller, do, do they sell a higher ticket price? Oh, or is yeah. It- they sold out instantly. Yeah, they yeah, were – It's probably going to be – 100 a piece. 1600 Yeah, it's probably going to be quite a stupid amount. Yeah. Let's yeah, but go. Hey, but say you're in Vegas, you just holler at me, send me a text, and afterwards, as long as I'm walking, we'll go get something to eat. You know what I mean? I've been walking around. I don't, I don't, go, I don't drink or nothing, so I just walk Same around. Way. I look yeah. for food. After I fight, I'm looking for food. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the cutting or their hydration. I don't think there's a hydration test for, for UFC, right? So you can just drain out. Oh, yeah, you could damn near kill yourself making weight. They don't give a shit. You know? Yeah, straight out. <laughs> you cut as much weight as you want. Yeah, they, you get rewarded Bro. for that. You know, it, I, I, I hate the weight cutting, but it's part of the game. And uh, I cut less weight than the average fighter, but I go in there quick. You know, yeah. you, can't, you can't deny my speed. That's because I don't cut as much weight. And would you uh, say, cause we, we opened up our first call and you highlighted the, the organic aspect of your diet. Would you say because you eat straight from your backyard, it doesn't require much for you to ter- make adjustments in your nutrition or your training for you to cut or to increase your just your overall stamina? I feel like eating like that has to give you just an advantage off somebody that's eating in the city. Even if it's organic, it's still loaded with hormones, maybe pumping these steaks. And I just every day I learn more shit. And I'm like, man, I got to go get land. Yeah. And and uh well, hey, hey, brother, don't worry if, if shit ever gets too bad. Make your way to Cersei. We've got the land. We need the soldiers. We need the army of God to be ready. We've got the land. We're not going to hey, start. I'm, I'm on my way. Um, you know, if if anything goes down, don't worry. There will be food. God feeds those birds, and he'll feed us, too. We, we, we got to be ready to fight. But, yeah, that's why I started, because I was worried about the food, too. And, and I'm confident if some shit happened, we could go back to feeding ourselves. No supermarkets or nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, just off of this small community in Cersei, a lot of my neighbors have cows, bro. There's cows everywhere in a 50-mile yeah. It's nothing but cows down here, bro. Like, Cersei would be a good spot for you to come seek refuge. And uh, you fit right in, brother. Yeah. And, uh, what were we talking about? I started we're talking about, about, so, the cutting – and oh, the transitioning the stamina, and, and I, I was thinking it's your nutrition yes. that probably makes it easier for you. And so, man, everything in that yard that I do ends up helping me. Uh, the main things that I grow that helps me the most is garlic and watermelon. Watermelon gives me that energy, that recovery. It goes straight into that bloodstream and gives you that instant energy for training. It's it's a before, during, or after constant throughout the whole day you can eat watermelon and yeah. it will enhance your training uh and also uh it is for sure makes your dick hard yeah uh, yeah, yeah like yes when you get aroused it you will tell a difference i'm telling you it uh it's <laughs> really, 
boy Bryce good. looking down. Yeah, that's the watermelon, Dick. <laughs> Dude, it's good for blood flow. Okay, and it's got. I think it's called lycopene or some something in it. Some fancy chemical, but I can vouch it works, brother. Uh, now garlic, garlic is that anti-inflammatory. Garlic is that all. I, I can't think of a better anti bacterial substance in garlic i'm obsessed yeah. with the healing powers of garlic i eat it raw here's a little bit that i grew in the garden i don't know uh, if you can tell here but i got i just just recently started getting like arthritis in my thumb you won't see it come all the way up and i was talking to my nutritionist i was like should i do dry needling i've done everything i've done stem cells i tore out my meniscus in an ankle in an ankle lock switch heel hook and i was like what are some anti-inflammatory things so i'm glad you said that because i use garlic salt but i've never really gone into the gotten into the garlic because i'll roll i'll probably get six to eight hours of rolling in a week you know what i mean so but like obviously i'm squeezing i'm not coming back but it bothers me because i'm like man there it should be like that you know what i mean like i'm 24 i feel like i i'm not a ufc fighter i'm rolling you know what i mean three four times a week right you know and it's not it's not the cure-all for ending all but it helps it's a it's a supplement it's it for me it's a necessary supplement because it helps me it gives me that little bit of a boost and what's what it has even better than the anti-inflammatory effects um like the healing of the joints effect even better than that um it it's the an antibacterial, and let me yeah. vouch. Let me vouch for its antibacterial qualities real quick. Um, I had a, a staph infection from a dog bite in my thumb. A dog bit me in the thumb, and it started shooting out pus. Now I was out in the deer woods, uh, turkey woods. I was out turkey hunting actually, um, and uh, didn't want to hit town. I just stayed out in those woods for like three days. That was the plan: stay out in the woods for three days, and so day one i noticed pus coming out of my thumb and i and i brought garlic with me and i didn't man i brought up enough of it to last okay and i started eating i started eating this garlic and drinking cranberry juice and uh the two of those cured the staff i mean no other treatment besides the garlic and the uh the cranberry juice now it wasn't the most severe infection in the world but it would have got worse yeah it would have progressed and it could have been something nasty. And I saw it firsthand. All I did was garlic and cranberry juice, but the cranberry juice was no sugar. It was a tart champ, tart, uh, cranberry. That's my mom scores by that. She always had no sugar, cranberry juice. She's big into oils. She'll be sending me thieves all the time telling me like not to have candles and I got to use natural oils and not, she's, God bless her soul. She's always on my on my case about organic and pure. And I'm just thinking, like, I just want some, some like just steak from down the road. You know what I mean? Like cupcakes and steaks. And and like you said, even when these people are going to the organic beef at Walmart, I'm almost 100% certain. I don't. I'm not going to say I'm 100% certain. I'm almost 100% certain those cows are all getting vaxxed. Absolutely, bro. I I don't have to. After these last few years, I don't trust. Not, even even the labels, I don't even trust. After everything that's right. going on, right. you can't. Like, can, my trust I is can, gone. I can see this food grown with my eyes. I know what it, you know yeah. what goes into it, and so that's why I started this farm is to have that food sovereignty, to to just yeah. know where it comes from. And obviously, you can't produce everything, but I want to produce as much as I can, as much as you can control. And and so uh, getting into it. Um, cause I, I, I heard you say, Hey man, I, you know, you're getting that, 
that feeling too, you know, and a lot of my buddies have been talking about it. I wish I would have known this when I started. Um, I highly recommend the first thing that you would get into would be chickens and a milk cow. Um, either two of those would be very uh, beneficial. Right off the, the, the thing with beef, uh, it, now beef cows are great. I got beef cows. That's all my cattle is beef, but um, I need a milk cow. And the, the eggs every day is, is actually better for me than the steak. If I had to pick between survival situation when I want eggs every day or the steak, I would actually pick the uh, the eggs. The chickens are less maintenance, and the chickens yeah. can eat. The chickens can eat roadkill. So, like yeah. if you if you were surviving, bro, uh, and you didn't have time to herd your cows every day, the chickens they'll stay in there. You just guard the chickens and get eggs every day, and and really suffice off of that. But anyways, chickens and milk cow. Um, that's a great way to start. And I wish I'd have had a milk cow before I got any beef cows, but I didn't know when I, when I got into it and I just got a bunch of beef cows and, um, and I still don't have a milk cow, but after this fight, I'm getting a milk cow. It's on my mind. I can't stop thinking about it. I want that raw milk. I was thinking about that the other day. Cause I was ordering organic, like farm milk from a local shop. But my sister was like, don't do it unless you see it come from the cow. And so I was like, all right, I'll just listen to her because she's real big on, on organic, too. And I was like, maybe she's right. Your sister's right, man. And there's nothing we need to normalize laying eyes on where our food comes from. You know, knowing the cow. No, hey, it comes from Betty. You know, Joe, yeah. milk, Joe milked her two days ago. That milk is two days fresh. Betty, it came out of Betty. And you know where Betty is and you know where Joe <laughs> the conditions is. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to. It don't have to be your milk cow, but. If, if it was a close friend, somebody that you trust and knowing the cow that it came from, that's normal in my opinion. I agree with your sister. I'm, I'm the same way because even, like you said, when you get to the store, nowadays I don't trust the labels. Yeah, I don't trust – no, I don't trust under the labels, none of it. I want to my... I want to know those people like my friends. I want I want it to be coming from my friends from the community, people that, that I trust. That's my, my number one goal is a ranch. You know what I mean? I, I fell in love with, I definitely rekindled the flames of Arkansas by, there was a show, I think it was Yellowstone. I've always been a big country uh, movie kind of guy. Tombstone, um, 310 to Yuma. Those are my like country classics, but like obviously growing up in Arkansas, the, the you know, old Westerns they watched were like black. I don't like those black and white ones. I like, you know, the, the color ones where you can see everything. I like Django and Chain. Like wide earth, wide earth. It though th those are my, but like watching that Yellowstone man, seeing the ranch and like herding the cows and and seeing and and thinking about you know you've probably been to a bunch of Arkansas State Fair is phenomenal. You know what I mean? You you go out there, you get a big turkey, you ever get some turkey legs out oh, there. The roasted turkey leg, yes. Nothing better than that turkey leg, man. No, it as far as concessions go, man. You just the concession stands, they don't got nothing on that turkey leg. I, I'm with you. If I, if I see the roasted turkey leg, I'm I'm getting a turkey leg roasted. Oh, uh, my favorite way I've ever had turkey was so I went turkey hunting with Michael Waddell. Okay. Uh, it was it was my first legal turkey hunt. Okay. <laughs> uh and it was Michael Waddell who is like known as one of the best turkey callers that ever of uh, of just ever okay and he's out there speaking turkeyese man he's he's speaking to the turkeys and he's calling them in and it's incredible yeah. watching them but anyways it, he's they set me up with this 
you know, it was an easy shot. And it, they made me just feel awesome about it. But it was an easy shot. They called – they did all the work. They called the turkey right in, you know, and pulled them right in. And so I'm just learning anything I can from them. So – How'd they prep them? How'd they cook them? That he took the, that breast after we cleaned it. He chopped it up, uh, made little nuggets basically out of the breast meat, and okay. marinated it in pickle juice. Okay. Then breaded it with some flour. I believe he put cornmeal in there too, but I think it's flour and cornmeal, and just fried it in the pan. But it was that marinating pickle juice that just changed my whole life. It's that good. And did you know that Chick-fil-A, that's what they use? That's how they got that Chick-fil-A chicken taste. They yeah. marinate Chick-fil-A marinates all its chicken in pickle juice. I worked there for a little and I could see that. I could definitely see them doing something like that. Obviously, they prepare it prior to it getting shipped to the store. But uh that's nuts. I've mm -hmm. had turkey, I think my favorite is the turkey necks with gravy. gravy. Yeah. You put turkey neck or my mom used to make when my dad would get rabbit or squirrel, she'd make dumplings and throw in the rabbit meat with gravy or squirrel meat with gravy. Mm -hmm. and that would be fire. And I've moved to PA and people, I tell them we ate rabbit squirrel and they'd start freaking out. And I'd be like, I've had raccoon too. And then they'd really start freaking out. Yeah, bro. That, that when you make that giblet gravy and then throw that rabbit on top, or that squirrel on top, but it's got that giblet gravy. The dude, they complement each other because you know that that game meat, that that squirrel meat, that rabbit meat. It's a dry meat. It's yeah. very hard, you know. It's but you put, gravy. you put it in that giblet gravy, brother, and it comes to life. Yes. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize all that stuff either till I started hunting. And dude, it's delicious. And then if you're doing it on rice, you got to cook the rice yeah. in like the rabbit broth. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That and then I think another favorite Arkansas dish uh, would be for me is the the dove hunts. When you go on the dove hunts and then you you're just grilling, you you got somebody just working the grill, somebody working the uh, feathers, plucking them out, and it's just right on the grill, rinse them off, bacon. I think I had with, we wrap them in bacon. You some some people would do they'd put uh, like jalapeno poppers too, so you'd have a yep. bird and you have jalapeno popper with bacon, fire. Yeah, I like What's that jalapeno in there. What's your favorite Arkansas like inspired dish? Or you go out and tell people are like you've had that? They're kind of freaked out. Shoot, okay. One of my favorites um, is deer heart. And, yeah, and I, I like it far better, far better than beef heart. I mean, yeah. I, I like I like deer heart. Oh my gosh, I love deer heart. That's to me, it's just so good. I love deer heart, brother. How do you how do you like it prepared? You just you just kind of go in there like uh, the movies pulled out. What's the, what's that movie Dancing with Wolves? And you just pulled out. <laughs> I like slicing it thin, put a little olive oil in that pan, a little bit of salt and pepper, and just, dude, it's done in it's done in thirty seconds, maybe <laughs> even. 20. I mean, it's done that quick. I like it red in the middle, but but crisp brown on that outside but red when you bite in the middle. So the slice is about like that thick. So it's still red in the middle. It's still that raw in the middle, you know, but that crisp on the outside. Ooh. Do you watch Meat Eater with Steven Ranella? I've heard of this. I, I've got a bunch of buddies who watched that, but I've not watched it. He did something with the heart once. I don't know if it was deer heart. I think it was, and he cut it up, but I don't think he cooked it and made it into ceviche and like cut up onions a little bit of that and it it looked fire i was like man i would think i would try it was either that or doll ram 
And uh, that's another exciting hunt. I know we're kind of all over the place. Now I'm kind of talking to you. I did a, the only other virtual podcast I did. I did another Arkansas guy. He was my, he was partners with, uh, with Pat Smith. He runs the blue Jay team. His name's Greg Hatcher owns a big insurance company down there. And they actually, he's, he owns like a facility where they all wrestle out of for the blue Jay uh, place. And I believe his son, son was either a two to four time state champ went on to be a good quarterback too. I think he moved down to Texas. His name was Lane. So, yeah. um, but where I was going with that was the second guy I did, his name is Billy Moles. He's a believer like us, but he's an Alaskan guide hunter. Imagine how sick that is. So Dude, that's, he, for, that's the, the real thing here out there in Alaska. You know what I mean? Like Arkansas does have the Ozarks though. And you can yeah. go out, you can go out in the Ozarks and you can be completely submerged. Uh, you know, by Mother Nature, but um, oh, absolutely, yeah, the Alaska is a different, different ball game. You know what yeah. I mean? Man, they got those Kodiak bears, and if you w- go look at some of, if you got an hour and a half, his videos are long on YouTube, but he, it's real detailed of the guided hunts he'll do, and some of the the paws alone, man, will get up to about a foot in width, mm-hmm. and they, they'll say like, oh, it's not a big bear, it ain't ten foot. I'm like, ten foot, dude. You might see a black bear in Arkansas and be lucky if it's like three or four foot. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's a big bear. You know, even seeing a black bear. I don't know how many black bears you've seen down there on your hunts, but like. No, I've, I've never seen any black bears. I have seen signs. I think that the scariest thing that that I, I do believe is in Arkansas be a Bigfoot. I, I do. Something tells me out there in them Ozarks that there could be a Bigfoot. And I don't know that. I don't even have a lot of proof other than yeah. – uh, did just, just people my friends telling me weird stories but i wouldn't be surprised if there is a bigfoot out there uh in arkansas like that there ain't no telling but i'll tell you the craziest thing that i've seen and this was in cabot in that stretch of woods uh in my backyard when uh we were talking about that where i grew up you know and had that those woods in the back i seen an albino lizard i mean wow. Eyes just cherry red and just pale white skin. It, it was it was like the size of an iguana, like two and a half to three feet long. And but dude, you, I think iguanas are slow, bro. This thing was fast. Yeah, this thing this thing scurried up a tree and it spiraled. It it, it climbed up a tree in a spiral, and uh, it was an albino lizard. It was right there in the backwoods in Cabot, and uh, it could have been a pet that somebody released or. Yeah. It was so long ago, this could have been a dream. And I've been hitting the head too many times and I'm seeing this shit. But dude, I'm I know what I saw, and I'm yeah. almost I'm almost certain that dude that this was an albino lizard. And uh, but I was really young when that happened. But dude, yeah. I distinct I distinctly remember. I remember where I was standing. I could take you back to the spot, but they've cut the damn trees down. Yeah. It's a damn, it's a damn shame, but I could tell you where I was standing when I seen that lizard, and that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen out in the woods. Let me ask, what's been the most close call incident in the woods for you? What's been like the most like, man, that was really close with an animal or just in the woods in general? I would say climbing at that rock quarry. We had a uh, we were climbing up the walls and and it was an old abandoned rock quarry. So some of the walls were caved in and we would climb up them. And some of them it's a ninety degree, like you're yeah. you're ninety degrees. Some of it slants, but anyways, we we were climbing. And this is the first thing that came to mind when you said that. I seen a rock, probably two three hundred pounds, almost crush my buddy just straight on the top of his head. He moved, 
And and uh, but anyways, it bit when I was a kid, bro. We were just fucking around, just climbing on rock walls, and yeah. our parents wasn't there. We, you know, we probably weren't supposed to be there. But dude, that's that's what boys do, man. They play like yeah. that, and they do dangerous stuff sometimes. And that that was really close. I, I almost saw my buddy get crushed by a rock. Uh, I had buddies dying four wheelers, man. That that yeah. shit is. Four-wheelers, that's, yeah. That, that's a big thing, dude, just four-wheeler safety. Uh, yeah. I almost, I've almost died on them four-wheeler because uh, the first time I got on one, I went nuts. There's a lot of – dude, I should probably be dead. You know, there's yeah. a lot of shit that comes to mind when you ask that question, and I just start thinking of a four-wheeler ride uh, yeah. could have got me because I first time I got on one, I turned it over. I was trying to show my friends how badass I was. I'd yeah. never been on – I never drove a four-wheeler in my life. Yeah, and my my friend was screaming, "Stop, stop, stop!" And I just, I was just showing him how badass I was, you know, dude. I flipped that thing, jumped off, rolled like four times, and uh, you know, I didn't have like like we talked about earlier. I didn't have daddy show me how to drive a four wheeler. Yeah, I got I got on one one day and went crazy. But uh, yeah, dude, just stuff like that. Okay, one time I was out in the woods with my cousin at my Mimi and Papa's. We was out in the backwoods at their place, and me and my cousin swinging by a vine on a tree yeah. and this log a dead log on a tree comes out this is another two three hundred pounder we're probably nine or ten years old and her name's morgan and to the to this day when we meet up on christmas and all this family events we talk about that but uh you know my cousin almost got crushed by a tree uh limb yeah. all sorts dude it's dangerous out there but you gotta live you know what i mean and the good lord's protected me thank god Absolutely. That's insane, man. So let's, let's kind of jump, jump back around. Uh, who are some of the fighters that you've looked up to and been influenced by? Dude, there's so many. It's, I mean, just so many, dude. I just respect. Is there a goat list for you? Like, man, that's the goat one, two. Uh, I think in his prime, Nick Diaz was, I put Nick Diaz up against anybody in his prime. Nate or Nick? Um, Nick, Nick, in in his prime when yeah. he was, uh, when he was really hungry, and yeah, he lost fights. But what I'm saying is nobody ever really, got, he, dude, he didn't get tired. He never got tired. Yeah, and, um, he never got tired. He was always ruthless, and eventually, he always started winning the fight. Or the opponent started slowing down. But like when GSP fought him, GSP just held on the whole time. He didn't really do any damage. And and so I think that Nick Diaz is one of those fighters that's just like on the field of battle, man. He was just he 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 was he might not win on points, but just fighting, bro. He just he's a he's one of the greatest fighters out there, man. He's he he learned how to stay alive in battle, not be killed, and then eventually that leads to you winning. You might not win the twenty five minute fight, but if the fight was to continue, Nick Diaz would have won every single fight. Because he he would just you couldn't get him tired. You could hit him as hard as you could. He could take your best shot, and you can't submit him. He's never been submitted, so he's one of my favorites. If I had to pick, but there's a lot, bro. Like I love Matt Hughes, yeah. the original camo shorts. You know Matt Hughes. I didn't know he had the original. I thought you were the first one to do camo shorts. Well, he had it way back in the day before. You know they everybody used to have whatever color shorts they wanted to. Yeah, and uh, you know Chuck Chuck Liddell, he's the Iceman. He had blue, blue shorts, and they was uh white, 
frozen tips on the edges, you know, like wow. ice icicles yeah. on the edges. He was the ice man, so he comes out blue with that with those icicles, white icicles yeah. all around in that blue, you know. So he comes out white and blue. Rich Franklin, he came out brown and pink. Um, Mirko Krokop, he came out in checkered, red, white, checkered. Um, you know, so people had, you know, back in the day when you could pick the, exactly how you wanted your shorts. Um, I, I remember certain fighters' shorts exactly how they were. You know, some people were known for their what shorts they, they wore, and I believe I am now. I know I am. I know I am. I had to they tried to take it away from me. Damn Reebok did. And I fought and I fought and I kept talking and, and telling people that I cared about it. And now I'm the only person with camo shorts because yeah. and then some people probably get upset about that, but I, I'm also the only one who was so mad about it that I took to the public. None of these other people, like all these other people uh, that are saying they want this or that shorts, um, I believe him, but but I was the first one to come out and say it. And I was very off my first UFC fight. I said I want camo shorts, Reebok, and uh, nobody was as angry as I was. So my anger uh, ended up helping me in that situation. Usually my anger backfires on me. My anger yeah. was consistent, and I channeled it and focused it, and my anger helped me in that situation. It's definitely that's definitely a pivotal piece of of going to be and is your legacy. I think the camo shorts, I, I don't know, maybe it's just our day and age and our generation, but that's the number one, that's one of the number one things that stands out to, you know, me when I think of camo shorts, UFC, we think of Bryce Mitchell. I wrote this question down and it's a, more of a funny one. These, these, as we wrap up are kind of funny ones. If you had to fight one animal in the octagon, what would it be? And I could help by like giving like an option of like extremities. I know exactly what I want. What? I want it to be a fair, evenly matched fight. I don't, you know, I don't want to be disadvantaged advantage. I just want a good fight, a good opponent, a worthy opponent. And that's why I'm going to pick a kangaroo. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you what, um, the kangaroo probably ain't that good on the ground. It's probably got great takedown defense. But if I ground this kangaroo, I'm almost certain I can I can finish it on the ground. But the, the problem is it's takedown defense and it's got range and they can box too. They're known for their boxing. I'm sorry. They're known for their kickboxing. Okay. Yes. They, they, they actually kickbox. They're not true boxers. They're, they're straight kickboxers. Like the best kickboxers you've ever seen. Really. They use yeah. straight line attacks. They don't do round attacks. They do straight attacks. So I would implement a lot of lateral movement. And uh, I do think if I got the back um, or underhook, uh, that's when my game plan will really implement. But yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be swinging hard on them trying to knock them out because the thing is is like you get in there and you start trading it out with the kangaroo and bro they're gonna have that endurance you know what I mean like they're not gonna get tired so I would hit them maybe fifty percent you know and I'd sit there and I'd try to get a jab going and work my way into a body lock. Now my next weird question is. If you could have one superpower, but only one, and it can't be flying or invisibility, what would it be? Oh, it can't be flying or invisibility. That, man, that was the first ones I thought of, too. Man, I would say, um, I mean, if prediction of future, if that counts, that's what I want. Because you could just, you know, go buy a 
lottery ticket or no lottery ticket wouldn't work. Stocks, you could go invest in stocks if you could predict the future. Absolutely. Hey, Z, I don't know if you watched the movie uh, Big Short, but the gentleman that uh, basically predicted, not only predicted, but bet against the housing economy that collapsed in 2008 mm-hmm. and made $100 million off that prediction, just predicted the U.S. economy was going to collapse, obviously, which I don't know if that's a massive prediction. I feel like we've all kind of seen that. Uh, yeah, but he bet, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like a like a eye-opening prediction, but uh, he bet $1.6 billion, I believe it was this last week or so, Michael Burry on the u.s economy collapsing and i was like maybe we should just invest into what what uh what i what joe biden has created <laughs> so well yeah uh, dude you know it's like i guess if they're gonna win all that money they you know that they wanted in dollars they better like like we talked about better freaking invest in something else that's worth value because the the dollar is about to go down in value so if you just won a hundred million dollars i would not keep that in the fucking bank i would go no. and I would invest Take in gold, silver, yeah. gold, silver, land, and oil. I would actually, yep. if, I, if I literally had, brother, a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars, I would just buy barrels of oil and I would sell them to my friends for cheap. I wouldn't make a profit off of them. I, I would I would sell the oil at cost to my buddies and, and um, you know, but, but oil would be something I'd invest in, but I would have the oil at my farm in barrels. You pull up get as much oil as you need. I don't even make money off of it. I'm just, I want to have a stockpile, you know? Yeah. Uh, but gold, oil, silver, ammunition, livestock, land, you know, these yeah. are the things that I think are the best investments for what we're about to be experiencing. Where'd you get the thug nasty nickname? That's just my buddies came up with it back in the day. Uh, I was 17 when I first started, and, uh, man, we really got a kick out of that, and I think to this day we still get a kick out of that name, man. It's just great, and I'm I'm glad that I stuck with it And because uh, I had a bunch of people in the past saying, oh, man, you got to change your name. They want me to change it to the truth. Yeah. That ain't the truth, though, man. It, yeah. Thug, Thug Nasty is the truth. I like that. Now, have you uh, linked up for other country fighters that have been in the UFC or – you know, are currently in the UFC. Have you linked up with any, or is there a community? Like I, I, you know, who I follow a lot is Cowboy Cerrone. I like a lot of his content, his content too. So have you guys ever thought about going out doing a hunt together or something like that or collabing? Man, I, I just consider Donald a great ally. You know, I message him every now and then and um, he, he responds and cause I met him in person in um, them Nashville. Or no, sorry, not Nashville, Jacksonville, Florida, on that fight. Okay. That's where I met him, sat right by him, and just introduced myself to him. And, dude, just – I liked him before that. Now I really like him. And ever since that day, like, I'll message him and be like, hey, man, what's up, brother? Just say something real quick if I think about him or if I see something that he's tagged in or something, and he'll message back. And yeah. uh, I consider him just a great ally. And uh, I, w- I would like to go over there to that camp of his. Um, yes. That facility. Thing is, is that a lot of those guys, man, like Cowboy ain't no joke, dude. You might go over there and get your ass kicked. And so I would I would want to make sure that, you know, the training partners there are good. And I would trust Donald, uh, definitely would trust Donald. But, dude, he, he has some legitimate uh, 
you know, firepower over there as far as MMA fighters are concerned. So, yeah. Uh, and, and I know they spar pretty hard. That's how he got as good as he got. Yeah. So he, he spars hard. So, my main concern is if I train with Donald Cerrone, that I leave healthy. Okay. <laughs> hey, I went to uh, a wrestling camp. There's a guy that holds a massive wrestling camp and he's plugged in with all the UFC guys. I don't know if you know his name, but his wrestling camp is called Izzy Style. And so he's oh, yeah. done. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I went to his wrestling camp. I went to, I went to, he invited me out. I've been trying to get him on the podcast and shout out Izzy. And uh, he brought me out. He's such a down to earth dude. So down to earth. Brought me out for a Greco day. And it's an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes. I got jujitsu endurance. You know, I could do, we can do a 30 minute round roll. You know what I mean? I'll be cool. I go do this hour, 45 minutes. And it's like, like you said, with the 10 and 12 year olds, they're like seniors in high school. And I'm like, I'm with the fat kids. They're running laps. I'm throwing up. I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not no bitch. You know, I got to finish my laps, my throw ups outside. I'm like, I'm looking at him like, I don't remember because I wrestled uh, in Arkansas. It was with Pat. It was like a year and a half. You know what I mean? I was eight, eight to like nine and a half. I was young. I was like one of those 10 year olds. And then I wrestled in Western PA my eighth grade year. So just one year up here. So you figure two, three years of wrestling. Uh, but but it was way different. I was a demon. Oh, in with the head toss, I came up to I came up to Western PA with the head toss. No, sir, you're not head oh, toss. They'll roll through. Oh, no, sir. Yes, yes, brother. And luckily, when I grew up in Cabot, my coach taught me about that on the head toss, and I won many matches with that with that roll through that you're talking about. But you're absolutely right. You know when you, you don't the guys roll, roll through on me, I step. Yeah. I, I step through with the head toss, throw the hip in. I'm like, oh, I'm sending this guy flying. You think you're about to embarrass him just for this to roll through and come right up on top got points or if you're in jujitsu and they roll through it's like strike the side mount yeah you're done and 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 the thing is is that um so our wrestling coach in high school was really really good he didn't work for the school his son was on the team and so i got lucky that his son was my age and he would come to coach for free he wasn't like wow. he didn't work for the team he just wanted to help yeah. his kid. and uh he would but the coach was a football coach our actual paid on staff coach was a football coach who didn't have a lot of wrestling technique so he let the dude uh come in mr Kurz come in and run the whole class so coach yeah. Kurz, coach Kurz would run the whole class and um he his his the number one thing he stressed that i remember more than anything was do not go for uh the the headlock throws you know and as i've gotten older um i've got a little bit wiser and i go for them when i feel that they're there but i'm very hesitant i always have coach yeah. curves in my head saying don't headlock throw and at the time the reason he was saying that is not because headlocks don't throw but he knew we weren't good enough to use them yeah. and if, if you go for that headlock and you're not so familiar with it which takes yeah. a, a decade you know what i so mean many yeah you, you'll get countered so easily it's the easiest thing to counter and yeah. so he, he took that out of our game the front headlock throw he literally took it out of our game he would not let us front headlock throw under any circumstances and it was punishable by extreme conditioning if you yeah. if you went for it so we had a guy who won a tournament who, who won for the team uh with the front headlock throw so, you know, you think, hey, coach is going to be like, hey, good job. You pinned the guy. You did great. We get the, the class, the next the next practice. Coach says, so, Hayden, how'd you win that match? Hayden says, 
uh, front headlock, or uh, I'm sorry, a headlock, you know, throw, head and arm throw. That's what we call it, head and arm. It's a head and arm throw. Coach says, well, that's why you're in trouble. And Hayden says, but it won't, it worked. I won the match. He said, yeah, but it won't work on anybody good. And you're about, <laughs> and he said, he said, you're about to go against good people. He said, now you're going to run the whole class. You're not going to practice. You're going to run the whole class because you're not going to do another arm, uh, head and arm throw. He said, <laughs> he said, you're going to get countered by somebody who's better than you. And yeah. he says, if you take, but he made us take that out of our game because he knew the, how, you know, easy it is to counter. But here's the yeah. flip side of that is when you get good at a head arm throw, which I am good at head arm throws now, I was not then. When you get good at them, they become a viable option. Yeah, I with jujitsu guys, I'll I'll do them a little more because when you when you wrestle with a jujitsu guy, my wrestling ain't great, but just because I got a year with Pat Smith and a year in Western PA, it's like ten times better than like somebody with a year just of of like normal, just an average program or no wrestling at all, a hundred times better. So mm -hmm. I'll look for it, but I'll usually look to just sink an underhook and I'll go. The hip toss feels a lot more secure. You know what I mean? I still got the arm, I still got a lot more leverage. I feel like. But a lot of these guys, what I've been seeing, and I don't know if, you know, probably not, maybe in your rolling, the foot sweeps have been have been like a go-to right now. Like I'm I'm yeah. going for foot because it's like I'm not compromising my head for a potential choke, guillotine. There's no darts action because I'm not shooting in or lowering or anything like that. But just squaring up and getting a, a collar tie and foot sweeping, guys. Um, you know, I don't know if that's something that translates into the UFC, but for your rolling and wrestling, have you played around with the foot sweeping? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, I'm gonna work real quick, guys. Hey, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work hard. I'm sorry about that, guys. That's my neighbors and my electrician coming over here. Oh, uh, you're good. They didn't know. I, he's, I got an electrician out there working in the shop. He's, they're building this house. Yeah. And he, I didn't tell him. Hello. Yeah. Calm down, boy. Calm down, boy. I didn't, I didn't tell the uh, electrician. Dang it, that yeah. um, that I'm in here on doing work calling. No, you're good, dude. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna knock that house out. He's dude. I've I've been wanting to build this house. I've been staying. I'm in a camper right now, a 32 foot Dutchman, bro. I've yeah. been out here for eight or nine years. Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, it's it's. I love it, but you know, uh, I got a wife now, so I've got. Yeah. A, I get. We're, we're building a house, brother. How old and, are you? Uh, 28 years old. I turned 29. Okay, 20 29 in October. Let's go. Um, you know, so I was going, I was talking about the foot sweeping, but I want to, I want to kind of transition out of the jujitsu, out of the MMA. And, and you, I saw you did two episodes with Theo Varn. Well, I've seen highlights from it. I didn't get to go through them all the way. What, what are some of your favorite moments with working with Theo Varn, man? He seems such like a cool guy. I, I like this uh, one that he did. Um, my favorite one was when he asked what, what uh my reaction was on these clips and he played this clips dude and it was an animal breaking into a store and dude that was one of my favorite things that that we did um it was on the second interview i think yeah. but anyways he he played these clips and it's a it's a damn deer breaking into the store and he says i want to see what your reaction is and uh dude i predicted it dude the deer ran in there and i said look they need 
to cut the room off. They need to block the doors because that deer's. And then sure enough, that 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 it was a buck. He goes back there. He breaks everything. You hear him breaking glass, and he runs right back out the front door, and they let him get away. But I, that was one moment I remember on the podcast. But um, man, one of my favorite things with him was going to lunch afterwards and just getting to meet him. And uh, man, he he's funny, but. Here's the thing is he tries very hard to be funny. He's very, he's very smart and he knows how to make people laugh. And I can read psych, uh, psychology very well in my mind. I think I can at least. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I, I, I can. Yeah. I think I have tele, telekinesis or whatever, but in my mind, I see him as a comedic genius. And yeah. he, I think he, he tries to make it appear like it's easy to be funny but he is trying very hard and he is very smart and he is very thought out and, and dude, he knows how to be funny. But when yeah. we were, when we went to lunch, he's still funny, but you can tell he's just, he, it's just a little bit different, you know, he's yeah, a little more chill. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, it's just a little bit different, man. He's not looking, he's not, thinking is hard you know he's yeah. relaxed you can tell he relaxes when he's on that camera bro he comes alive yeah and he puts off this energy that's fucking hilarious but when you're sitting there at lunch with him it's a more relaxed and actually you start you know he, he talked to me about his personal life and i remember that and it was just like uh man it was awesome yeah in fact i'll, I'll share share with you the sentiment the, the main thing i remember about lunch with him was he was like man sometimes i feel like i'm not um, you know, doing enough to serve God. And, and I said, brother, if you're up here and, and you're being the man that you are and, and you're so much as praying and, and trying to serve the Lord, I said, you're doing enough. I said, you know, you've helped me out tremendously just having me, yeah. you know, out here. And, and, but, you know, he's a normal person. He, he worries about, am I being a good person? And he talks to people yeah. about stuff like that. And so seeing that side of him, just that, 30 minute lunch we had dude it I, I love that guy man that's my brother that's awesome well my next my next question is when you're not fighting or farming what's your hobby what do you like doing okay so we're not fighting we're not farming shoot um working with wood i like building building stuff with wood yeah cedar i love cedar so like building like uh like furniture pole barns Furniture, chests, boxes. Um, it, I love cedar. Cedar. Yeah. I'm, I'm utterly obsessed with cedar. I like the smell of it. I like the touch of it. I like the look of it. I like how when a saw hits it, it just shreds right through it. It's not like oak where you have to fight it. I can take that cedar and I can shave it down and shape it and work with it and it's lightweight but strong it's it's mite resistant termite resistant so i love woodwork that's the first thing that came to mind besides farming and fighting okay is the house gonna have some cedar in it yes sir you bet brother so we decided not to do cedar walls it's just gonna be cedar walls like the the actual structure i built of the house that the structure i built like the walls and stuff um, I framed it. Um, it's built out of oak and ash. It's a mix of the two. Okay. Mainly ash. 
I prefer working with the ash over the oak. You know, oak is sufficient for like a furniture type thing um, because it's that that nice hardwood, that dense wood. But dude, after building with ash, doing or I'm sorry, after building with oak, doing construction with oak, uh, it's it's not my favorite to work with. It's a hard wood, brother, and uh, it's much easier to build stuff out of uh, out of uh, ash or cedar. So I really like that cedar wood for for all, any type of woodwork. But, you know, there's a place for oak. There's a place for hickory. There's a place for all this other type of wood, for willow. You know, there's a place for all that. But my favorite wood of all time is cedar, and I love working with wood. Let's go. And so when I built this house over here, um, you know, I did all the woodwork, and the walls are going to be cedar. It's Have you ever heard of a Wayne's coat? Have you ever heard it referred to that? Uh, no. It, it's a it's a waist high trim and a common Wayne's coat in Arkansas would be like a sheet metal uh bottom like waist okay. high waist high uh is like that born tin you know and then okay. and then above that waist high born tin layer you have that cedar cedar boards on top of that wow and so that that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a cedar up top with the Wayne's coat out of out of old barn tin like restored stuff but just just rusted up you know like it's gonna have that old school looks uh, so tin on the bottom and cedar up top and that's only gonna be in the living room and the dining room and the hallway because the bathroom um there's gonna be a lot of moisture we're gonna do regular sheetrock it's it's very resistant to any type of mold yeah. and stuff like that you know so so the bathroom will be sheetrock the kitchen will be sheetrock Let's go. My so my my next question is my favorite Arkansas restaurant. If and uh, nobody's gonna probably believe this is Waffle House. Every time I there's not Waffle Houses anywhere out like PA don't have Waffle Houses. I'm in Illinois now. They don't got Waffle Houses. So anytime a Waffle House presents itself, I always think about Arkansas Waffle House. What are your thoughts on the Waffle House? I think it's a great place, not only for food, but for social activity. I've I've had a lot of good experiences at Waffle House. I like to get that ham and cheese sandwich with the yeah. pickles on it and uh, some hash browns on the side and a waffle. And, uh, dude, I, I love Waffle House. It's open all the time. Love not, Waffle Not the healthiest, but, dude, at some point oh, – no. At some point, you just got to live, and Waffle House is cheap, and the service yeah. is good, and the people are respectful, Love and I, I've always had good experiences at Waffle House, and I'm sure now that I said that, the next time I'll get in a fight in the damn parking lot or something, but um, for, <laughs> now, for now, I've not had any bad experiences at Waffle House. Yeah. my All right, so um, Donald Trump, man. He got indicted. He got to Georgia, the notorious picture. He requested it to be pushed back after election. They denied the request. What are your thoughts on, on that? Well, the whole thing is rigged. And as as far as, you know, what's going to happen, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. But I, I'm almost certain in this assumption that if Donald Trump does not win, we will lose our world power. The dollar yeah. could collapse. Uh, but, you know, we're going to see Russia and China take right over everything. You know, the, yeah. pe the petrodollar will be gone. They're going to crash the dollar so hard if Donald Trump doesn't win. But if Donald Trump does win, there is a chance that actually the dollar stays in circulation and is he could bring it back to a, a good 
Yeah. You know, stable. I would agree, I would agree with that. It was, it was a rigged election. These people, man, they're satanic and they're going to lose. But yeah. I don't know exactly how or exactly when. Yeah. Now, my next question is, obviously, there's a lot of regulations in regard to UFC. You got USADA that t- tests all the time. Conor McGregor, he's making a return, and very few fighters make a return after that break. I know Chris Weidman. I think did, did Weidman come back after his? He may have made a comeback. Just after had a him. fight like two weeks ago, and dude, the first thing that guy did is kick the shit out of his leg. Oh my god, dude, he got beat up. Dude, he got beat up so bad it was so hard to watch. And the yeah. guy now. He showed how tough he is, bro. He didn't quit at all. Yeah. He could he could barely walk. That guy, the broke leg that he broke, the guy kicked the shit out of it, and he couldn't even fucking walk, dude. It was yeah. so sad watching, dude. But then it, like round two, like he was losing real bad. But there was a moment in round two where you could tell some like adrenaline hit him, and he yeah. went and he turned into a caveman. He just started walking the guy down. Like he stopped limping. Like you could tell the adrenaline just completely took over and he walked yeah. the guy down. And so in round two, he actually landed punches. Like he, he came back. He was, and was, he was hitting him round three. It did get worse though. And he didn't land as much, but I, I do remember at round two, like he started really like, it was like a good three to one type of ratio like that guy would hit him about two to three times and he yeah. would land one but he he held his ground bro with that yeah. he he limped forward wow gotta respect that so what i'm getting at there is when you come back from an injury like that sometimes if you go through an off season maybe you use some type of rehabilitative drugs you know that just you just they don't get caught you're off usada um how many guys do you think slipped through in the ufc with Maybe using some some performance enhancement. I think it's narrowed down to a couple. Um, yeah, I, I I really do. I think that there's just probably a couple people out there doing it and getting away with it. But to say that it's 100% clean, no, I don't believe that either. You know, but yeah, all I can do is just not worry about it and and yeah. pray that I'm protected because you know, and also too, the steroids won't win the fight. You can still kick somebody's ass on oh. steroids. Yeah, absolutely. I be joking out big dudes all the time, but yeah. But I take a little bit of testosterone, so I can't. I can't. I can't talk (laughs) shit. I wouldn't pass the Usada. I don't. They pick up testosterone. Um, favorite. So, last thing I want to end with is a favorite movie. Everybody, everybody got to have a favorite movie. What's your favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. Oh, Peter's gonna love that. Lord of the Rings is fire. I like uh, two and three, the two, the second and the third. Oh man, I loved it. Let's go, Lord of the Rings is fire. I like the Hobbit. I like the Hobbit. I like. So Peter says the Hobbit sucks. I like the Hobbit. I like the Lord of the Rings a lot as well. Watch that with my with my pops all the time. But uh, fire, absolute fire. Is there anything? Is there any other good things? You know that I think we covered so much. You blessed us with an hour and a half of your time. I know we spent you know a couple of minutes. You know, working on some tech on both our ends, but you know, you're you're kind of because it it made us restart the whole conversation and it changed the whole conversation. And I'm glad that we had those technical difficulties because it just gave me time to just mentally get ready. And yeah, dude, I'm I'm freaking, uh, you know, this is awesome. And uh, y'all can holler at me anytime you want to chat. Just please holler. And if you're in town, 
Yes. Here's, here's I'm going to send you some gifts when uh, when we get off. I don't want to say it on the podcast. I'm going to ask you just a, a P.O. box or something I can send it to. And I'm going to send you some gifts because I got uh, some hoodies and things with, uh, with the podcast yeah, that I do. So, brother. yes, sir. Send you some gifts. So this was Bryce Mitchell. You guys easily find him on social media. Bryce Mitchell. Is there anything you want to shout out at all or want to get out there? Shoot, I want to thank the good Lord. I want to thank my mother, uh, my old lady, uh, all my coaches, teammates, um, everybody who's ever sponsored me um, and believed in me and watched me. Thank you. And thank you for your time. And thank you, too, Peter. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Absolutely, Bryce. Have a blessed day. And thank you for hopping on, man. Heck, yeah. Take care, my brother. Yes, sir. Hey. Bye-bye. Hey, Bryce, I had a question, too, real quick, if you don't mind. Um, I'll just be off the podcast and everything, but what do you think about Lord of the Rings and how it got corrupted by all that weird woke woke agenda? I stopped watching after one, two, and three. Oh, you, um, you didn't watch the TV show on Amazon? Not at all, brother, no. No, I've, I've watched one, two, three, and I've heard the books was actually better. Now, you know the guy that wrote that book? Uh, it's Tolkien, I believe. Yeah, super Christian. I was just about to say that he this was this is all an analogy for God versus the devil. It's all an analogy. That's that's what I love about it so much. It transcends. I didn't even think of that. Oh yes, brother. It's all an analogy. Gandalf is like he's a symbol for that preacher, you know, that's pure in his ways and it does nothing but speaks the truth. The exactly. I think that I think the analogy for Frodo, the closest one would be Jesus. Wow. I think Frodo is supposed to symbolize it. Now, obviously, yeah. it's twisted a little bit because Frodo's imperfect, but yeah. he suffers. He bears the consequence of the ring to destroy it, you know? And, uh, but yeah, dude, it, these characters, they mean something. They're symbols for it, the whole book is an analogy for life. It, it, yeah. it's, it's about spirit, man. That, that book is infused you with spirit. You know what spirit. the orcs are supposed to be? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Demons, dude. They're demons from hell. Oh, the demons from hell. Hey. They're the demons would, from hell. Would you fit a large rash guard? Absolutely, brother. I'll definitely fit. That's a camo, ain't it? It's camo, and it's got my it's got my company logo on it. But it's it's not gay. It's just it just has AD on it. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So, the uh, so with the camo, I will wear the crap out of that. I cannot post a picture in camo. Don't got to. Don't got to. But if you have any other, uh, especially training stuff, like if you have a training shirt and it's just a different color besides camo, because I'm contracted by Realtree. But if yeah. you have any, if you have some gear and you send it, I'll I'll post a picture of training in it, brother. But of course, but the camo, the camo is going to be my favorite. I just yeah. can't, I just can't post a picture in it. I'm gonna send you so I'm gonna send you a care package, brother, and we'll stay in contact and right. see where the good Lord takes us. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, come, come to the mini gym and get some rounds in, brother. I will. I'll hit you up when I come down there, guys. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Blessings. Absolutely. Uh, Bryce, hey, I wanted one more thing to say, too. I don't know if you have a media team or anything like that, but we'd love to discuss poss- possibly uh, sponsoring you. I own a company called All Caps Media, and, you know, we love the UFC and oh, definitely dude, love you, you so – yeah, and and yeah, that's always definitely. Uh, I'm always interested in that. Any type of thing that I can do to put out content, spread content. Um, so I work with uh, a company right now called Bigly. 
they made me a website. The website's not that popular right now, but I do have a website. And so I'm obligated with them with a web with the website. And I have some sponsors already, but the, the, the existing sponsors wouldn't conflict. The only one that would would be the people who made me a website. But if we could do like a podcast and put it on my website, the people who run my website would be very happy about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. We could do a bunch of things. I have, you know, I'll have one of the biggest and best minds when it comes to all types of media and marketing. So I'm already thinking about the Bryce Mitchell ministries and all types of things. So I definitely would love to have a, a conversation of how we can, uh, how we can help each other and how we can, and, uh, so move down this, this journey together. I, I'm absolutely interested in that. And I'll tell you who, um, Matt Weibel, that is my manager. He does all type of affairs and, um, he, he can set up a regiment of content. Like we, I mean, he, that's what he does for me, bro. He gets every single one of my deals. Um, he does, um, like long-term deals you know what i mean like if it's yeah, a contract yeah. like if there's a contract and i'm setting i'm i'm you know what i mean it's a job job type thing matt weibel sets it up for me and uh make sure just that i stay organized with that stuff but talk yeah. to matt weibel and uh we'll stay in touch brother and awesome, matt weibel, so matt weibel he's gonna be on instagram uh i'll send you his number i'm gonna send you his number Excellent. and that'll be in that group text that uh we was in earlier Love it, dog. Love it. Yeah, I got your number. So looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys just letting me listen. It was a great time. I was sitting here chilling, laughing, cracking up, almost almost shed a couple tears. So thank you guys Let's go. for letting me be involved. Dude, that's what I like to hear, brother. That's what I like to hear. And um, yeah, dude, um, from now on, we'll, we, we can use Zoom or whatever. I had so much problems with that. With that uh, <laughs> I always tell them I don't like it. But it was <laughs> That was my first time doing it. I didn't know if I would have known my phone was going to go out. It was dude, our third felt, time. Yeah, And dude, my phone kept going out and I was like, oh shit. So I'm just glad that we ended up getting that thing to work, dude. I'm so happy that everything worked out, but um, I'm going to shoot y'all Matt Weibel's number and you holler at me or Matt Weibel anytime. Let's go. Appreciate it. Thank guys. you. All right. Thanks my brothers. Y'all take All care. Right,